Hey, good. What up? Uh, not a whole lot, I suppose. Um, fuck. We just got done going on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to transition back into what I wanted to do for the podcast today after that. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, so you'll notice, fam, that the previous episode took a long time to go up. And the reason behind that, that is... recorded that on uh, March 1st. <laughs> yeah, so... We ran into a plethora of issues with the audio. First first thing, halfway through our recording, I had an internet outage in my area, and so we couldn't record anymore. So we had to pick it up and resume after. Yeah, that was like and, going from a midnight to a noon the next day. Well, the right. same day. And then, but, yeah. technically. And then that messed up all of our, our files in my editing software, and we had to go on an adventure to get it fixed. But now it's fixed. It hid my files. Yeah, from me. I don't I, <laughs> fucking. All right, I don't know, man. Trying to play hide and seek I'm with not you, bro. A, I'm not a computer man. I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with this shit. Anyway, well, <laughs> fuck all that shit. Um, I wanted to do something different. Okay. Uh, we here at the Gen and Jub Show uh, watch uh, something called uh, films, movies. Sure, if you want to call them Flicks. that. Well, these ones are. Shit heaps printed out on go. celluloid. Um, most of them, yeah. <laughs> not most. I don't know. Our tier list is gone, you know, not to get back on computer finagling. But, Dude, that makes me sad mm, as fuck. Don't bring that shit back up. We'll do another Pour one. Pour one out for the homie. We'll do another one episode. Pour one out for the homie. Episode 200. 200. All right. We're on our way. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. Only 90 more to go or something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, 88, we're on 112 All now. right, 88. Good. <laughs> Maybe we can do a quicker thing that isn't like a whole like big episode to do on 150 or so. I don't want to yeah, do like a big fun. special until 200. So anyway. Um, right, right. We've watched a lot of franchises, and uh, I, I would say that, you know, franchises are never usually truly done. You know, like, we'll watch all the Halloween movies, but there's still Halloween movies coming out. So I wanted to do a franchise checkup, and I'd like to do this okay. annually. If it, I want it to become a tradition where we uh, go ahead and look back at all the franchises we did briefly and just see uh-huh. what's coming next for them and if we will have to revisit them on future Gen and Jub episodes. So thankfully, okay, that I, sounds I like have fun. a handy dandy uh, on the at Gen and Jub Twitter page episode guide here. Uh, just to remind myself, yeah, if you ever want to know of uh, the order of the franchises we watched, yeah, if you ever want to know what episodes exist, um, there is a one mistake on this, but I'm not going to talk about it. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so, um, first off, Halloween, as I, I mentioned previously. Um, Halloween's an easy one because we will be revisiting that this October. Uh, Halloween Kills is the next movie in the franchise. It was set to come out last October, but got delayed like every movie ever because of COVID. Uh, Halloween Kills is coming out October 15th, 2021 in the USA. Apparently only in theaters. We, we will see how COVID does. Um, 
Not now. This is not like this is going to be actual accurate information or anything. Yeah. But the estimation is that everybody will be vaccinated by the end of September. Right. So, um, I personally do not remember what our Halloween tier list looks like off the top of my head. I know which ones are terrible and which ones are great, but uh, I'll dig that up when it's time to do this, and like we'll re-add it in as its own episode. If, yeah, it should be too bad. If we, go to the end of the can, last Halloween episode. If we can safely watch this movie on our own terms, because like I don't want to like have it like you know like like let's say if for example one of our film franchises was the films of Christopher Nolan. I would not force you to go to a movie theater to see Tenet, Jusby. I would not force myself to go to a movie theater to see Tenet if it was unsafe to do so. So wow, uh, wow, well, <laughs> total dedication there, buddy. You don't want to die for your podcast. I don't want to die to see a mid-tier Christopher Nolan movie. No, thank you. <laughs> so I still haven't seen Tenet. I, <laughs> I, uh, so like you know, hopefully COVID is mild enough that we can exist in a public realm again and go to theaters and see Halloween kills because this is certainly a movie I'm actually looking forward to. Cause I really liked uh, Halloween 2018 and this oh, is big uh, also directed big by David Gordon green. Also once again, starring Jamie Lee Curtis picks up right where that one left off. And then, and then probably a bit of a time skip to get to next Halloween because Michael needs to kill people on Halloween. That's just the rules. Uh, and apparently, this will be followed up with a third David Gordon Green Halloween film called Halloween Ends, that was originally slated to come out in 2021. Like they were originally slated to be 2020 and 2021 back to back movies. Damn. I believe now with really? everything with COVID, they were not shot back to back. They just shot Halloween Kills, and now they're shooting Halloween Ends. But very excited for all of them. Getting uh, John Carpenter soundtracks for both as well. And Hell yeah, that's that's the most exciting part of being honest. Yeah, I love John Carpenter's music. He just released a new album of uh, Lost Themes, uh, which is really good, by the way. Lost Themes Volume Three, good shit. Ooh, he he makes some cool stuff. Yeah, you do. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I I think my hopes are pretty high for Halloween as a franchise, and like considering the lows of this franchise, that's pretty that's pretty all right. There have been some pretty low lows. I mean, as long as as long as it's just as good as 2018, like we're good. I think it could low key be better. I, I like the concept of this upcoming one. What little we know about it, because it feels like it's like the town uh, infighting about what to do about Michael Myers when he will show up again, and it'll probably be like you know political metaphor kind of shit of how people react to crises. And I, I, I bet <laughs> that'll be a little timely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, this was shot before COVID, so I don't know how how much it's going to feel like that. But like, it's possible. It's possible. I think this is a cool way to go about it. I'm not looking forward to like the the plethora of movies that are just actually about COVID. I prefer a medical. I, I, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm like ready a for metaphor, the movie. A metaphorical. Yeah. COVID. I'm ready for the movie. Uh, COVID-19 starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be in it. He's in every movie. And hearing his new movie sucks ass where uh, the Five Nights of Freddy's rip off. 
That looks like shit. It doesn't sound good. It didn't look good. It didn't sound good. No, when I, I mean, first on, saw pa- anything on about paper, it. that's a great idea, like most Nicolas Cage movies. But then in execution, it's just terrible. Anyway, next franchise. Um, Rocky. Uh, as far as I know, uh, news is less than confirmed about any future Rocky movies. Uh, I was hearing a rumor that he wants to do, especially Stallone, wants to do, I, I guess, like Creed 3, but also a Rocky yeah. movie separately that right. will serve as the official conclusion to the character. Uh, I just pulled up an article. Give me from February. Give me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, apparently, yeah, he wants to be the star of very likely the last Rocky film. Um, but there's also rumors about a Creed three. I would rather there just be a Creed three than. A Rocky 7, I guess, or whatever you would call it. Like, I don't know what, I guess I don't depends, know what story right? you tell, because, uh, like, I think right. the best old man Rocky story is already told with the Creed movies and with the Rocky Balboa movie. I, I don't think you need to revisit that and just make it again. But. Right, probably need something a little more, like. A little more unique, or like just continuing that story. I trust Stallone to a degree, though, because overall, except for like a couple minor missteps, Rocky is really good and really personal to him. So I feel somewhat confident that whatever he designs to be the last yeah. Rocky chapter will be all right. Yeah. Because I. I feel like he cares more about this franchise than anything else he's ever done. You know, like, we got the last Rambo movie, and it sucked ass, but I really got the sense that he didn't care. He was just kind of doing that out of some kind of contractual obligation. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, it always seems like all like all the other franchises, like big franchises he's in, like, don't matter to him as much as Rocky does. Yeah. Uh, then we did... Matrix. So, this is happening. Matrix 4. Uh, as yet, just titled Matrix 4. This is coming out this year. We know nothing about it. We know nothing about the plot. We just know that it's... Uh, Lana Wachowski is involved. Co-written and directed by Elena Wachowski. I, 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 uh, Lily Wachowski, the other Wachowski sibling, is apparently not involved in the Matrix 4. Which is interesting. Um, but, like, why. apparently Keanu Reeves is back. Uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to feel about this one. Because the Matrix as a yeah, franchise probably shouldn't have had sequels to begin with, right? Um, <laughs> like, like uh, obviously Revolutions uh, and 
reloaded are not very good. So I, nope. my pretty bad. My excitement for a fourth one is very minor, but it's really muddled in the sense that like that story concludes pretty definitively for many mm-hmm. many characters. Like like apparently Carrie Ann Moss is back as well, and like these are characters that died. I don't know what I don't know how they come back. Or why? Must just be in like flashback scenes or something. I mean, if Neo's the main character still, which assumedly it will be because Keanu Reeves is now even more famous. Um what do you do? <laughs> What do you do? How do you make this work and make sense? It's coming out December of this year, apparently. It'll be one of those uh, stream first on HBO Max deals, which uh, is an interesting plan. Yeah, which plan. Like all WB films yeah. are doing that this year. I don't know how to feel about it, Justin. But it's a Matrix movie. We'll watch it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll slot it into the... Very not controversial ranking of the Matrix is good, the Animatrix is a little worse because it's a little makes bit of a mixed bag, and then like Reloaded and Revolutions are a golf away from those. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like close. What a God. what a controversial opinion that the Matrix sequels aren't very good, Justin. I feel very brave. <sighs> Anywho. Thank you for your service, soldier. So, Alien and Predator. We we did these as a combo so that we could also watch the Alien and Predator like uh, versus films, which was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> although, like, I guess, like, if we were just watching Alien movies, those would count still. Huh? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I, but I was fine with combining them. Goddamn. Uh, so, Alien, I don't think there's much news about uh, Alien continuing as a franchise yet. Now, these are properties that were Fox. So, they are now Disney properties. So, like, probably they will make stuff eventually. There's no way they don't. Um, I do not know if Ridley Scott will be involved. I do not know if Ridley Scott will get the opportunity to uh, curse us with another alien film uh, that is not very good. Um, But certainly there's a lot left open from the ending of Alien Covenant. And for what it's worth, I liked Michael Fassbender's arc as Robot Man, and I would have liked to see more of David, but I don't know if I care... (laughs) about another alien movie unless it's right, from I a, don't. unless it's from a very fresh perspective um yeah please now predator God. is an interesting one um let me see if i can find it here i'll look up uh this movie so, uh, there's apparently a Predator movie coming out. 
I don't know when. Really? But uh, it, its concept sounds fucking awesome. So the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, Dan uh, Trachtenberg, or however you say his name. Oh, good movie. Uh, so he was gearing up a shoot for a movie that was in development called Skulls. And the here's the, the plot description for Skulls. I, I just looked it up. The story will follow Key, a Comanche warrior who goes against gender norms and traditions to become a warrior. Many years ago, in a time before any Europeans had ever encroached on their lands, the Comanche people had a well-defined society and gender norms. Key is very close to her younger brother, Tabe, or however they would say it. I'm, not, I'm bad with pronunciations of things that aren't English. Uh, who, who is being groomed True. as a leader. As capable as any young man in the tribe, Key has always been a teacher and a source of inspiration for Tabe. In the Comanche way, she is Patsy, the elder sister that has helped to shape him. Key is a truth teller and has insight that others do not. A tomboy, she wants to prove herself in the masculine world of the Comanche. When danger threatens them all, Key sets out to prove that she's as capable as any young warrior. So this all came out, and people were like, well, cool, he's doing an original movie called Skulls, you know. Uh, turns out, secretly all along, it is a Predator film about, like, the, the fucking, like, way that this Comanche tribe proves their self in their masculine society is with, like, a battle against a predator and this sounds awesome <laughs> like this is the kind of stories i want from this universe like i i want it to go this galaxy brain with like you know predators showing up in other time periods to fight the strongest warriors of that era in various locations around the world or even around the galaxy is exactly the kind of interesting take I want for Predator. That sounds like fun. So, uh, um, apparently this is filming in May of this year and we'll probably get more details around then. Uh, I don't know when it'll come out. Uh, I hope it'll be rated R. I, I think Disney won't be too stupid when it comes to these franchises and try to force them into an audience that they do not have and try to make them PG-13. I don't think that will happen. And this one sounds like a smaller movie anyway, and it's one that I'm pretty excited for. The only thing is I honestly wish that, like, it was still hidden that this was a Predator movie all the way up to, like, the release of the trailer. But it's kind of been leaked that it's a Predator movie. Because, like, how cool would it be to discover Shit. that it's a Predator movie? Right, in the like, middle part of the way the trailer. <laughs> like, right. just like a trailer drops for a movie called Skulls, and you just watch it, and you're like, whoa, that's a Predator movie! Holy shit! That would have been neat. Hell yeah, dude. But that sounds cool. Very excited for that. Um, Gremlins. I don't think there's any plans to make Gremlins things, and thank God. Don't touch it. You are not allowed. Do not make it. Please. <laughs> Please, God, save me. Please. Uh, well, I looked them up, but apparently they were in a Mountain Dew commercial. Oh, no. 
Oh god, don't drink after midnight. <laughs> uh, and apparently there's going to be an HBO Max uh, animated prequel to Gremlins. Uh, okay. That's fine. I I just don't want there to be a movie unless it's like actually the guy. Unless it's actually Joe Dante making Gremlins 3. I don't care. I don't want it. And if it happens, it needs to be completed pure fucking insanity. Yeah, you need to increase. Or else I don't want it. it. Like, like the the thing that makes Gremlins fun is Gremlins is fantastic, and then Gremlins Two is just off, just shit. just goes off the rails and is kind of a parody of what sequels can be. So, like, what do you even do with a third one at that point? You, know, you gotta fucking the Gremlins gotta go to space and shit. <laughs> the gremlins gotta take over the White House. The gremlins gotta yeah. run the country, Justin. Oh, dude, I mean. <laughs> uh, so this one's interesting. Uh, Terminator. There's very, very little interest in making a new Terminator thing. Um, gee, I wonder why. We, we went through this franchise, and we saw them try to reboot Terminator three times in a row and, and all fail every time. Um, of those three, Dark Fate is the best of the three. Yeah, but like best in quotations. Yeah, I think we even said in our rankings that we didn't even like it as much as Terminator 3. Um, yeah. Which is saying something, because Terminator 3 is not very good. Uh, I, I mean, we watched Dark Fate when it came out. I think we retroactively added that to our Terminator series that we had already completed. Um, I, I, I don't anticipate us having to add a Terminator film to this list for a long time. Because Dark Fate did very poorly at the box office. So, good? Um... There is apparently an anime series in development at Netflix of Terminator. Okay. Uh, that's fine. I think you need to do a low, a more low-key re-entry into this franchise. Not a film. Not just trying to be the Terminator The Force Awakens real hard. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. All right, next up's Jurassic Park. We know that that next one's coming, and we know that it'll likely be terrible. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, is back at it again with another Jurassic World movie coming out, I believe, next year. I'm going to guess next year because it got delayed because of COVID. Who would have guessed? Um, What's the official title of this thing? Do we have an official title of this thing? Uh, I don't remember. I'm looking it up. Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, if you remember no, there rightly, you go. Dominion. They, they, they advertise <laughs> minions. <laughs> <laughs> they, Jurassic World the minions. Oh, I I don't want that crossover. Don't give them ideas. Okay, so fucking. If you remember, they advertised this movie by teasing that they were going to be incorporating the cast of Jurassic Park. There's going to be Jeff Goldman. There's Jeff Goldblum. Sorry. There's going to be Sam Neill. Um, 
There's going to be uh, Laura Dern. Now, we will see how this turns out, but those Jurassic World movies are not great. So, like, as fun as it will be to see these characters again, it's kind of just probably going to prey on your nostalgia and just deliver a very messy Jurassic Park sequel, of which all of them have been. That's, I think, one of the worst franchises we've ever done on Gen and Jub, just specifically looking at, like... Only the first movie is worth a damn. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, and then speaking of Spielberg, we did... Uh, hello, doggy. Hi, you're loud. We did Indiana uh, Jones. Hello, doggy. Yeah. Which, believe it or not, is getting a fifth one. Uh, if you remember, I think we discussed this... Uh, Steven Spielberg has said he is not directing Indiana Jones 5. He does not feel like he has it in him at this stage in his life to come back and fully dedicate himself to making an Indiana Jones film. Uh, Instead, the director will be James Mangold, the director of Logan and Ford v. Ferrari. Uh, So that might be good. Apparently Harrison Ford is still attached to star in this. I guarantee you they will ignore everything that happened in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I I don't know if this will be worth a damn, but I'm going to guess not. Um, If I don't, where's Shia LaBeouf, dude? Canceled in the garbage, actually. So let's not talk about him. (laughs) He's gone forever. (laughs) Even if he was... Uh, received with with open arms in, in Indiana Jones 4, which he was not. Uh, nope, not at all. He's gone now. Get him out of here. Uh, this is apparently coming next year, 2022, if everything goes right or wrong, depending on your point of view about sequels to things. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I do not want a sequel. <laughs> no. But uh, one is coming, Justin. Uh, I'm I, I'm trying to remember this news. Oh, there was a poster that dropped. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2021. Maybe that'll do it. Yeah, they dropped a new poster for it that was. Uh, just art of Leatherface's face. Um, it's like a watercolor. Okay. Uh, and it has the tagline, In 1974, the world witnessed one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history. In 2021, the face of madness returns. Um, there's no official title yet. It's just now known as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, so apparently coming this year, Jusby, we'll have to have an episode for that. Oh, great. Um, I am not looking forward to it. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the news I was looking for. This is, uh, in this Collider article about the poster. 
Um, the director is David Blue Garcia. He notably replaced directors Andy and Ryan Tohill just one week into production back in August. So th- this this movie's going to be a treat, Justin. You know, it's always good when the directors get replaced a week into production. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This could be a great time. It's even happened in this very franchise. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh... I don't know, man. I, I'm not... I'm not thinking it's going to be good. Is this just going to be another reboot? But it... Okay, yeah. I think officially it's a sequel to the 1974 original. So the timeline it gets more splitty even than it already was. Ignoring everything else, just a sequel to the original. Which is probably, I guess, the smartest way to go about it, but is still a bad, dumb way to go about it. Next. No news on a Die Hard. Uh, They were trying to get a series off the the ground called McLean. I know that. Um, That was going to not have Bruce Willis and serve as kind of a prequel to Die Hard. Uh, But that got canceled around the time that Disney bought Fox. After that, there has been no news of a new Die Hard, and that's probably for the best. Um, The only thing I know of that has happened with the Die Hard franchise is Bruce Willis appeared in a commercial for Die Hard Batteries in character as John McClane. That's very dumb. Uh... I'm pretty done with Die Hard. Would you agree? I have been done with Die Hard. <laughs> I was done with Die Hard probably after the third one. The third one's still pretty good. I mean, that's when you're supposed to be done. Four and five are the best ones. Batman is uh, a big one. Batman's a big one because the, that's never going to not have movies to watch, unfortunately. Uh, upcoming... Uh, I guess we have the Snyder Cut. I don't know if we'll change our rankings over it or anything. I, I don't. I don't. I doubt it. I really doubt it. I don't think it's gonna be better. It might not even be worse. It might just be bad, but in a different way. So it'll already probably stay low on our list. But we got Pattinson Batman coming out. I'm pretty excited for that. We got James Gunn Suicide Squad coming out. I'm pretty excited for that. And I'm assuming we have 900 more Batman movies coming out in the future. Varying excitement for these things. (laughs) Yep. Friday the 13th uh, is never getting another sequel because people are too busy arguing about who makes money off of it. That's all I have to say about that one. <laughs> Apparently there's a new Evil Dead coming. Uh, I think they're doing a very similar thing uh, as to what they did with the Evil Dead remake in 2013. I believe they're doing... You know, 
passing the reins to a young, new director of horror, uh, letting them give their take on Evil Dead, and just going ahead and going hands-off as far as like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and everybody are concerned. They're just kind of going to let somebody else make an Evil Dead movie. Yeah, here, here we are. Uh, in a quote from Bruce Campbell, uh, I guess Sam Raimi handpicked a guy named Lee Cronin, who's a very good Irish filmmaker. It's going to be a mm. modern-day urban Evil Dead called <clears throat> Evil Dead Rise. Uh, whenever that comes out, I'll watch it. I like Evil Dead enough to care. Uh, Dollars Trilogy, they ain't gonna make anything involved in that. That's a good thing, though. Uh, Middle Earth, we're getting that Amazon show. I don't know if we'll cover it, because we usually just cover movies. We'll probably watch it, though, and talk about it, if I had to guess. There's, I'm gonna be too curious to avoid it. Yeah, same. And then, currently, we're doing Miyazaki. And he is working on a film called How Do You Live? And I am not sure what that will be like, but I'm sure it'll be a fucking masterpiece given everything else he's made. And it'll probably be his last film, because the man is old. But that's okay. We've got a lot of good things out of Miyazaki. So that was a really long segment. I didn't intend for it to be that long. But, uh... We'll figure it out. I just wanted to, uh... Look back and see where we're gonna be at in the future. With all of these things we've already... Discussed on the Gen and the Job. Yeah. Ew. You know, it's been, a mostly a... Mostly a shit time. <laughs> Looks like more shit to come. Oh, yeah. Wait, what, are you not excited for new Jurassic World, new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and new Matrix? Uh, no, dude. I'm, yeah, fuck. I'm so excited I could I could die. <laughs> Can't hey, wait man. for old-ass Keanu Reeves to fucking walk in and just say something stupid. Whoa. Then, then like, fly through a guy. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> of all those they need to make that movie 90s as fuck yeah I hope they do of all those I'm looking forward to Halloween and maybe nothing else uh, maybe Robert Pattinson Batman I'm looking forward to that but like we're looking forward to Robert Pattinson Batman for sure I, uh, I, I don't know it's just like we're in a creatively bankrupt era Justin and I guess we're helping to perpetuate it by just talking about it. <laughs> yeah. But oh well. Fuck it. Anyway. Fuck it. Fuck those movies. Fuck everything, dude. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? <laughs> anyway, on to our next subject. Our actual show? Yeah. Speaking of franchises that never end, WandaVision was all right. Oh, <laughs> Can't wait for the next Marvel thing literally in a week. 
franchises. Yeah, I have no idea where you put the theme song this time. This is overstate its welcome as an opening bit, and it's more like a podcast bit. Yep. Now I'll figure it out. All right. I'm sure you'll edit it in some way, and then nothing bad will happen during the edit, because nothing bad ever happens while recording and editing this show. Welcome to the again and job show. This Kim. Hi. And I'm begging for the sweet release of death. <laughs> Me too. Welcome if to this the is show. the pace we're going for with the rest <laughs> of the episode, I will be begging for death. Right. Today we're going to talk about Hayao Miyazaki's masterpiece film, Princess Mononoke. Hey, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's pretty uh, heckin' fucking good, huh? I don't know, man. It might not be as good as, like, uh, Porco Rosso. I'm just kidding. It's it's the best movie he's ever made, probably. Very possibly the best movie he's ever made. It's possible. Which means it puts it in the running for, like, the best movie ever made it's in my top five at least the best animated movie ever made quite possibly it is gorgeous you know it's probably my favorite animated movie ever made but the best animated movie ever made is objectively the wind rises when you say objectively uh, you know what whatever Mm -hmm. let's just wait (laughs) till we watch the wind rises and I'll see how I feel I think I'm going to finally publish my essay when we do that episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you got that sitting, always, on, you got that sitting on a notepad somewhere? Somewhere. I wrote, I wrote a thing. Oh, cool. About The Wind Rises and why why I think it is objectively the best animated film ever made. I don't know. It's I don't know where it's at, but... It's no heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude! Oh, Shit. Christ! You got me, man. You fucking, you fucking got me, dude. You got How me. can you say the wind rises is good when it doesn't have a single titty, Justin? Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot about the titties. Anyway, uh, uh, speaking of titties, actually, I don't have a transition. I'll <laughs> say like, yeah. what are you transitioning into with that? Nothing. Bun? I regret <laughs> saying it. I thought I could find a way to make it funny, but. There's nothing on my list that would be relevant, I think. No, not really. Speaking of titties, happy International Women's Day yesterday. Oh, you know what I mean? God. No. <laughs> Burger King has got to Justin. No, no, Bubger King. <laughs> Bubger. Oh, I was my looking God. At a, I, was, I was browsing Twitter earlier when I got up, and I was, you know, doing my toilet business. And, uh... 
<laughs> somebody, somebody posted like I'm putting a team together, and it was like a bunch of social media, like like big brand social media accounts just saying dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Yeah, it's part of the Hall of Fame now. You know, it's like that. Wendy's calling like KFC's mom a hoe. Uh, yeah. Sunny Delight having a potential suicidal episode. If you remember that one. Yeah, that was a good uh, one. You know, the Hall of Fame of cringy silence brand trying to get attention brand moments on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's pretty interesting, though, because it was it's like if you don't know about it, I guess we'll talk about it briefly. <laughs> Why not? Uh, Fuck it, right? Burger King. Burger King UK specifically uh, went ahead and on International Women's Day tweeted out women belong in the kitchen. But then in a reply to that tweet was like if they want to of course. We here at Burger King are like, you know, trying to uh, increase the percentage of women working in the culinary industry. Right now it's only 20% of culinary chefs are women. Blah, 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 some kind of uh, charity organization thing. So it's it's intentionally designed to spark outrage, and then people go like, oh, okay, they didn't mean it. They just want to give my attention. And it's so baity and terrible and dumb. And obviously the internet exploded at Burger King and said this is stupid and mass. And Including the KFC gaming Twitter yeah, account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fuck, I hate Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, eventually they deleted the tweet. And it was like, we're sorry. Because, obviously, uh, a thing that happens when you tweet out something like that, whether you mean it as a joke to just get attention for a good thing or not, you attract people who actually feel that way. And the replies to that tweet were a cesspit of people dunking on Burger King. People just posting whatever because it's trending and maybe people will notice their K-pop stan reply. And people that genuinely agreed that women belong in the kitchen because their politics are trash and, and they love being misogynist and weird. Uh... So, I guess, with a wisdom they didn't possess when they first wrote the tweet, Burger King deleted the tweet. Uh, It's very stupid. The internet was a mistake. So was Burger King. True. Trash fast food place. Absolute trash. The nuggets. Tweet I was looking at. The nuggets at Burger King cost a dollar for ten of them. It tastes like cardboard. It is because they are made with the asbestos from the ceiling that they scrape off. (laughs) That is why it is cheap. Take that, Burger King. Like me some paint chip nuggets. You know what I mean? Delicioso. Uh, here's a here's a here's a screenshot of McDonald's replying to genocide denier and base racist 1488. <laughs> no. Oh, what they say to this gentleman? 
I have no idea. Somebody cropped it. Oh, man. <laughs> it's probably like a customer service tweet thing where somebody was like, my burgers were shit. Oh, yeah, that, that and then, happens. And like, it, it Autobot replied. That happens a lot. Yeah, true. It's just like, God, like, what a terrible way to do anything, to accomplish anything. Clearly they just meant it to, like, attract attention. It's just like, you know, like, you don't see, like, KFC tweeting out, like, black people love our chicken. As well as our uh, our other products, we need to hire more African Americans in the workplace. <laughs> like you know, like you don't see this happen. You don't, you don't well, here's bait the, people unnecessarily. To... Here's the minions Twitter account replying to an account named Urinal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, now that's <laughs> despicable me. I, I uh, no thanks. Who's the spaghetti? I'm, I'm just going to go through a couple of these because they're great. Uh, here's a SpaghettiOs Twitter account saying, take a moment to remember Pearl Harbor with us. <laughs> it's just a SpaghettiO. It's just like I mean, a SpaghettiO man holding an okay, American flag. Those are the best, but nothing will tweet. The fucking Veggie Tales saying never forget 9/11. <laughs> it's just like, excuse me. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> here's Christ. here's the Xbox supporter account replying to somebody, somebody named Cheese underscore N word underscore. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's just there's, a there's plethora a... of these. It's great. Oh, do you know about the Patriots one that's real fucked up? It's the last one. Uh, New England about. Patriots. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's up? Um, so when they hit this is this is years ago. Um, when they hit one million followers, uh-huh. they uh, you know tweeted at their millionth follower and then did a Photoshop where they put the dude's name on a jersey and. Um, the uh, the dude's uh, this is a real thing that happened. The dude's at is all caps. I hate n words. Not kidding. This is a real thing that happened. No fucking way. Real, and they had to delete it and apologize. Was it like an Not automatic kidding. tweet? Probably. They probably it was like a bot thing. But yeah. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh, I looked it up and it's real. I told you it was real. Oh god, it's got all these signatures on it and shit. Like people signed off on it. Uh huh. It's bad. It's really oh, bad. Oh no. Oh man. Uh, all right. Anyway, transition. Just- just be playing well you know couple Uh, speaking of getting called the n-word in the voice chat there's uh there's just two quick things I want to talk about I'll be very I'm gonna be very fast this time because we are going long already yeah (laughs) um as I talked about a few weeks ago, I'm continuing my grind in Valorant. Um, I hit a milestone a couple nights ago. I have finally, and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but I finally made it to silver rank in that game. 
Cool. I've come a long way. And if anybody remembers from when I originally talked about it, I did my placements and I got placed in iron, which is the lowest rank. Okay. And there's three divisions at each rank you have to go through. And I climbed all the way up out of that shit. And the game that got me into it was one that I won myself. Like, I had to do two, like, clutch wins in a row to win the game. So I am big proud of myself, fan. Big time. Cool. Feeling pretty good about it. That's the kind of stuff that I live for, competitive gaming. When you can see your own progress and put it to use. Yeah. Use it to climb. I agree. That shit feels so fucking good. Make them nothing feels make better. Them endorphins, endorphin. Dude, in your brain. I, it was, it was five o'clock in the morning. I yelled, "Let's <laughs> fucking go!" And I stood up. You woke up the neighbors. And then I closed, probably. And then I closed <laughs> the game and went to bed. Oh, all right, that's fair. Let's fucking go <laughs> to sleep. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah, dog. Uh. Yeah, I just want to give a little well, update on that. And then. Good job, man. Thank you. And then the other thing I did is I picked up uh, well, a lot of people can talk about this game. I picked up Valheim. It's actually gifted to me by my father. God bless his heart. He started playing the game and uh, he wanted me to play it with him. So he gifted the game to me. That game looks neat. It is really cool. It is a really cool video game. And I usually I am not a big fan of survival games. They're not my style at all. Right. Um, what I like about Valheim compared to other ones is uh, it is a lot more rewarding and a lot less taxing, which I think is important. Um, it is. But biggest the biggest example of how that's just how that works in that game is the way food functions. You do not food is not necessary to eat to live. You will not die if you don't eat. I disagree, but go on. In in in. Oh, in a video game. In a video game. Okay. In a video game. In a video game. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just helping you survive, food gives you a bunch of different benefits. Stat increases or something. Stat increases, health increases, stamina increases. Okay. Like big time, health and stamina increases. Cool. Um, which is really neat because not only is it like cool I got this food I'm big buff man now <laughs> it also encourages you to experiment with making different food kind of similar to the way Breath, Breath of the Wild handled it oh yeah 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 sure where or something like uh, FF15 right I made a new recipe right where you're like oh okay this is really cool this now nah, I got this food that does this. All right. You got on the line like that. But the game's without its uh, not without its fair share of difficulty. Um, it is one of those kind of games where if you wander into the wrong neighborhood, you're gonna get fucked. Yeah, it seems like there's a Which lot of crazy I've, stuff walking around in that game trying to kill you. Uh, yeah, I got attacked by a troll by myself for the first time. Oof. I was just out in the wilderness, and the dude showed up, and I was like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> I managed to kill it, which was hype, but nice. scared the shit out of me. 
Yeah, you could like wander, like you could be like hanging out like with the Black Forest, which is like a lower level area. And then walk a few feet and end up in the plains on accident and get attacked by a gang of goblins and die. <laughs> I hate when I get attacked by a gang of goblins and die in real life. Thankfully, unlike uh it's so frustrating when you die in that game, because your stuff gets placed when you die and you have to go get it back. Like a lot of other games of its type. <clears throat> The only difference is if you die again, that stuff doesn't go away. Mm, okay. Which is nice. You'll lose it. <clears throat> you just have to make it back to it. Now, sometimes you end up in situations where uh, it's really hard to get back there. But one really cool thing that has happened in Valheim. This is a real thing. There is a group of people who you, you enjoy their Discord and contact them. It's a bit of application. And these people will come into your server... And go get your stuff for you. For free. Grinders. Mm-hmm. Wow. They'll just run in and grab it for you, drop your stuff off for you. Hmm. It's really cool. They, uh, it's a grown little community thing. The guy who made it said that he didn't want people to get discouraged <sighs> from playing the game if they lost their stuff. You know, a bunch of people have joined it. It's a really big thing now. It's really cool. I love seeing stuff like that. It kind of creates like a separate thing, like outside of the game. Yeah, where you have like a bit of a community. Bit of a community. Really neat. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, Valheim's a very interesting game. I haven't gotten to fight a boss yet, which I heard is really fun. I'm excited to do that. Combat in the game is fairly basic, but it's like fun enough that you don't hate doing it. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. I, I recommend anybody who like any like any kind of survival games will love Valheim. But I even recommend it to people who don't and just want to try something interesting. It has a lot of potential. I hope that they continue to refine things because there's a lot of a lot of rough around the edges bits of that game, but it's still really good. And yeah, it's a uh, it is an alpha. So yeah, sometimes it looks like a PS2 game. And, like, just parts of the world. Like, not all of it. Just, like, sometimes you'll just get to a wall and go, like, those are some polygons. You know? Uh-huh. But, but, uh, it is, uh, like you said, in alpha. So, it will get better over time. And they can add all kinds of stuff to that game to make it better and more refined. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It'll be a, it's going to be good, I think. It's going to be really good. The end product, I think, will be worth it. Yeah. I... But yeah, that's that's all I got. ...don't have a whole lot to say as far as video it's games go. Thing. Yeah, I, I want to just get into Mononoke, but uh, if you'll give me, like, five or ten minutes... Hit me. Uh, all right, so... Major things I want to say. Uh, Shadow Mordor, good. Um, I got to a point where my boredom in the game changed to excitement because I didn't know there was a second map in that game. And the second map is pretty fucking cool. I was getting really sick of the wasteland of Mordor, but you unlock yeah. like the other side of Mordor, which is like green hills and shit. It's still just as chaotic mm-hmm. with just as many orcs and fucking those big-ass grogs are fucking awesome, those big troll things. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's just prettier looking. And serves as a good counterbalance to the 
murder and mayhem that goes on in Shadow of Mordor. Uh, I dig it a lot. Um, that second area came as a big surprise to me, and I'm plowing through it way faster than I did the first area as a result. Uh, I will probably plat that game within the week. I think I'm uh, 69, like literally 69% nice. done with the game. So I guess I should just stop now. Uh, I'll talk about that more once I beat it, because I do have problems with it, and I do want to talk about it, because th- that's an interesting game. It's not perfect, but it's really interesting. It does some really cool shit. Um, it makes me really think that Shadow of War could be really good if they, like, refined some of that stuff and made stuff like the story missions more interesting. I'm curious to see. Because right now, weirdly, that's the part that I like about the game the least, is the story and the story missions. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're very easy and simple and basic comparatively to, like, fucking with the orc power struggle tree and just, like doing side missions. Anyway, um, continuing to immerse myself in the stupid, stupid universe of Resident Evil, uh, I recently beat Code Veronica for the first time with uh, my good friend Josh, your brother. Uh, Mm -hmm. That game is the funniest fucking shit. That is the funniest goddamn shit um, a lot of terrible stuff that hasn't aged well, but I think it's pretty good gameplay-wise. Like, it's a Resident Evil game. It functions. Like, I wouldn't say it's better than most other Resident Evil games in that style, but, man, if you're willing to laugh in, like, a B-movie sense at a game, mm-hmm. God, Veronica's a godsend. It's so fucking funny. Just fucking Steve is so cringe, <laughs> and oh, yeah, just dude. the Wesker stuff is so fucking extra, and like he has like an anime fight with Chris at the end of the game. It's so fucking, it's so based in an ironic way. <laughs> like, uh, love that game. Actually, uh, there's a lot of dumb stuff, but I don't know. I I think he just. Like, if you ever think to play Code Veronica, just look up potential places you could stun, like, you could get soft-locked. Like, you need to conserve some ammo and not fight some creatures because they'll respawn. Uh, other than that, probably have a lot of fun with that game if you like old tank controls Resident Evil. Obviously, not everyone likes that. If you want to try an old tank control Resident Evil, just play Remake 1 and, like, go from there. Like, yeah, there's that's where you should start, bar none. Like, definitely don't start with Resident Evil it. 0. That's the one I'm playing through right now, and it is game annoying and sucks. <laughs> My game sucks, dude. And we both tried playing it at the same time a couple years ago, and we both hated it. Ah, uh, man. Me and Josh came to the consensus that they should just remake that game as a co-op game, and it would be fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah like, it'd be fun. Like co-op uh, Resident Evil Remake 2 kind of stuff. Yeah. It would be really good. 
Because there's lots of puzzles that have to deal with like positioning one person over here, positioning one person over there, and it's just annoying to control as one person. But if, as a co-op game, it'd be really mm-hmm. cool. And right. also as a game that isn't like doing controlling like an old Resident Evil game, but throwing enemies at you that are really hard to kill in mm-hmm. an old Resident Evil game, like flying things that you can't aim at really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, leech mans that just take a million damage for no reason. Uh, I, I don't recommend Resident Evil Zero, but I'm playing it because I'm an idiot. Uh, we and Josh have decided to play every Resident Evil and attempt to beat every Resident Evil. Uh, I say every, and I mean every. Uh, we are going through canon first. Uh, we're trying to get caught up before Village comes out. Uh, if we get caught up before Village comes out, we'll start doing non-canon Stuff like Resident Evil Survivor, Resident Evil Dead Aim, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, Umbrella Corps. You know, all the ones that people love and remember, sarcastically. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. We're, We're just, we're in, man. I don't know. I don't know why we decided to go as in as we are, but we're gonna play all of them. But right now we're only at zero. We got a lot to go. <laughs> so, oh yeah, quite a lot. We're just trying to go like to rough release order kind of thing. Um, so after this we get to do four, which is my favorite game of all time. Can't wait for that one. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, and I'm reading them books too. I just finished Caliban Cove, which is kind of like Resident Evil Light. You know, it's like it's like it was like a seven out of ten. It's all right. It's all right book. You know, it's just like Rebecca. On a solo mission, it's another evil zombie lab. It's some new evil zombie creatures. Defeat the bad guy, yay. Like, it's really generic, but it's written well. It's written better than the games are, usually. Uh, (laughs) I'm on the third book now, which covers Resident Evil 2, and that is so far the best of the books. I'll keep reading those. Um, They're a lot of fun, actually. I'm surprised how much I'm enjoying them. Uh, I watched WandaVision. It's pretty good. Highly recommend WandaVision. It's, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are burned out on the MCU. I don't blame you. Uh, I personally think the unintended year off that COVID brought us from the MCU was a good thing. And it let me watch WandaVision with renewed excitement for the superheroes universe you know um Mm -hmm. and it also helps that wandavision is really fucking weird and unique and i hope that they continue to explore really weird and unique stories in the mcu because that's what it needs to remain relevant they can't just keep putting out movies like ant-man and Doctor Strange, that like while they have a couple unique elements, are very safe and basic and generic. They need to start doing some crazy shit. Uh, and I hope that they do. These Disney Plus shows could be a good avenue of exploring that. 
Although it looks like Falcon and Winter Soldier looks pretty basic and safe. So we'll see. I don't know. Oh, and uh, I watched a terrible movie. Meet the Feebles. Oh, yeah. Which, uh... I watched that on my birthday. Um, <laughs> it's a bad choice. Uh, I wanted to choose something that would be fun and schlocky to watch. I'm a huge fan of Peter Jackson. Obviously, the man... You know, we just talked about him a bunch on this show. Lord of the Rings are incredible movies. The Hobbit's mm-hmm. not so much, but there's still some good stuff in there. Nothing that I would say makes him a bad director. But I also really like his older stuff. Uh, Brain Dead is incredible. That is a fantastic, fun, disgusting, gory zombie movie. I love that movie. Uh, Bad Taste is also a lot of fun. It's really amateurish and silly, but it's still really energetic and fun. So I had heard a lot about Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles consists entirely of puppets in its cast. Uh, it's basically mm-hmm. like a Muppets parody, but like by way of like corrupting them in like a in like a Conker's Bad Fur Day sense. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this stuff would ordinarily look cute and innocent, but we'll just have a bunch of fucked up shit happen. And the joke will be the quote-unquote children's media will Mm -hmm. be viewed with the lens of quote-unquote adult media. Uh... But it's really bad. I I and I'm dis. I, it's it's super disappointing because I've heard about it for years and just been like, yeah, mm-hmm. Peter Jackson made this weird ass movie with like the Muppets doing coke and stuff, and I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> for years, I've heard about this, and like it was just so disappointing to me in the sense that like its humor is like low tier bad. Like, bad episode of South Park, bad episode of Family Guy tier, where it's just, like, bad, bad edgy for the sake of being edgy humor. Both of those shows can be good, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's there's episodes where they're just, like, wouldn't it just be funny if, like, poop? Wouldn't it be funny if just, like, violence and... You need to have a, a way for that to be funny. It's not just funny on its right. own. Um, gonna you know try? Yeah, and and not and then on top of that, uh, there's a lot of racist shit. Uh, there's a oh, great. extensive for no reason to the plot Vietnam flashback with puppets, and no. the Viet Cong are portrayed as uh, like puppet beavers. And clearly, it's meant to invoke the racist imagery of, like, the buck-teethed Asian stereotype with the beaver's buck teeth. And they also speak in broken, fake uh, Vietnamese. Uh, you know, like, like it's like, like, it's literally like Ching Chong Ding Dong tier speech that they're saying. It's super offensive and mm-hmm. bad. 
Um, and I hated it. That was when, like, up to that point, I was like, the movie's not funny, but something crazy could happen. And I had yet to turn against the movie. But then that scene happened, and, like, the vibe changed for me. I was now against the movie. <laughs> the movie was now my enemy. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's from 1989. Yeah, comedy has changed a lot since then. And I'm sure Peter Jackson has changed a lot since then. And also his uh, like wife him. and writing partner also helped make that. And I'm sure she's changed a lot since then. But uh, that is not a, a cult classic I would not refer to it as such. It is not worth revisiting. I do not recommend you do so, despite the fact that its premise sounds intriguing. It does have potential, but uh, it needs to be written well in order to mm-hmm. get that potential. I don't recommend that movie. I do recommend The Lighthouse, though. We watched that after, and that slapped... The lighthouse kicks ass. Hell yeah. I don't know what happened in that movie, but it was interesting. Um, It's a vibe. You know know what happened in that movie, dude. It's just two guys screaming at each other. What do you mean? (sighs) Have you seen it? No. Okay, well, you're right. But also, like, um, that's a movie that... If you like movies and you like when movies uh, don't answer things just because they're more about a theme than answers and story beats, Lighthouse is for you. Um, If you're someone who doesn't like that kind of stuff, I think the Lighthouse will frustrate you because it brings up a lot of interesting questions, but it's not interested in answering any of them. And I, I for one, kind of like that kind of stuff sometimes. Uh, it depends on the context of the movie or show or piece of media I'm watching, of course. Sometimes things uh, not ha- having loose ends seem unintentional. The Lighthouse has a lot of loose ends that are very intentional because that movie's more like a vibe than a structured plot. Uh... But it's, like, two of the best performances from actors I've ever seen. Uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe give their fucking all to this insane little movie about two men stuck at a lighthouse. And then weird stuff happens. Uh, (laughs) Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, It's kind of a horror movie. It's kind of a... It's kind of not... Uh, someone, I, I forget who, referred to it as a slice-of-life film. Which, sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. You can describe it any way you want to. It won't make sense of it. But it, 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 it needs to not be made sense of. That's part of what's fun about it. So that was fun. Hell yeah, dude. But it wasn't the best movie I saw this week, because I watched Princess Mononoke this week. Uh, hey, light, light good up, transition. Not, not to undermine the lighthouse. Lighthouse. It's great. Yeah, fairly great film. I do need to watch For it. For 2019, that's one of the best movies that came out. I don't know if it's my favorite, because uh, 
Parasite came out that year. Parasite's excellent. Ooh, Parasite's so fucking and good. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, quite possibly my favorite Tarantino movie, the more I think about it. Uh, that movie kicks ass. But let's talk about Princess Mononoke, Justin. Give me your initial oh, vibes yeah, you and do. opinions, my guy. Oh, initial, yeah, well, uh, initial vibes and opinions are, uh, this is definitely the best Miyazaki film we've watched so far, like, possibly the best one we will watch. Put it on top of the list right now. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't right. even think that's worth the discussion. Like, it, it's, it's clearly the best so far. I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, do it. You we're both going to agree on it. I've been, I've always been super high on this film ever since I was a young teenager. Yeah. Um, I mean, a teenager. I was like ten or eleven when I first watched this oh, movie. Oh God, that's traumatic. Fun. Um, <laughs> this is not a this is like, not a kids movie. I will say that right now. A lot of I was already like playing Doom and shit when I was that age, and mm, didn't face me much. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I mean, this movie is rated PG thirteen, I believe, and that sounds about right. I, I think uh, this just because it's animated, and I'm sure there's plenty of parents that have made this mistake. Just because it's animated does not mean it's for children. Uh, it's not. The themes it's explored not for in this movie are a lot more adult and less all ages than any previous Miyazaki film so far. Uh-huh. Uh, that is not to the film's detriment, though. He gets to tell a whole and complete story because of it without holding back, and it's fucking incredible. Yeah. So this is uh, a little bit of history, at least, like, from my association with this one. I first watched it when I was very young. This is the first, like, amount of, like, Japanese animation that I ever really watched. Uh, um, up until this there's point. There's probably a reason for that. When it came out, it was there's a huge a deal because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of his movies didn't get localized right away. But this one kind of did get localized right away. Uh, because it was such a fucking hit in Japan and such a like critical darling that America was like, well, we should release it here too. Get some mm-hmm. of that pie. Like, like it was the first time that people like over here in the America were like, hmm, perhaps we will eat a bite of the Miyazaki pie. <laughs> uh, there were dubs produced before this, but they were uh, more low key and not, you know, it wasn't it wasn't Walt Disney in, interested in it, you know. There was right. the uh, the streamlined dubs and stuff, and those were produced much more low key. Uh, this is like a big chunk of the anime explosion that happened in the late nineties um, mm-hmm. to early two thousands, where just anime became a thing. For American audiences, uh, the rise of stuff like Toonami, uh, the rise of stuff like Pokemon coming to America and being the biggest fucking hit ever. Uh, just all these things hit right at the right time in the late 90s, and this is one of those. Um, and fast forward 20 odd years, and now everybody is a weeb. And True. everybody watches hentai, and it's like, this is normal. And I'm like, oh, God, help. But, uh... <laughs> Somebody help. <laughs> but Miyazaki got more class than that. 
Hell Miyazaki's yeah, you do. like, I also hate weebs. Thank you very much. <laughs> he does very much hate weebs, dude. Yeah. He's uh always rather upset with the weebs. <laughs> well, they're cringe, dude. I don't blame him. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They are cringe. Nothing wrong with liking anime. In fact, nothing wrong with liking titties. But if you take it too far, you can take anything too far, kids. Just don't get to the point where you're like, I like 2D women, but 3D women? Nah, I don't know. They belong in the kitchen. I, I, I agree with Burger King. Don't go that far, kids. <laughs> don't do it. Prince Moroki has a, gr- has a great lesson about taking things too far, you know? Yes. Um, this is a movie with complex characters and themes. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint a clear-cut bad guy in this movie. Um, you can't mm-hmm. really. Everybody's motivations are all over the place and understandable. Uh, it has themes of environmentalism, themes of just basic like unfairness of society and how it seems like we're always going to be fighting with each other no matter what walk of life we're from Mm -hmm. and it's great (laughs) there's only so many ways i could say that it's good yeah yeah definitely um this movie is like Weirdly gory for a Miyazaki film, which is super interesting. There's, like, straight-up gore in this film. I think that's purposeful to explore the themes of war and widespread hatred, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's described as hatred by our, like, OC, our main character. I meant meant to say MC, not OC. (laughs) Original character, do not steal. Um, you know, like our, our uh, everybody is mixed morally except the main character. The main character is the only like pure heart character, and I think that's intentional. I think you need that to ground the rest of the movie. You need somebody who's like, I hate all of this that's happening. I, I have respect for both sides in this argument, but they're not gonna listen to me. I, I need to do my best to make sure things don't come to a head and the world doesn't suffer as a result. And he does his best. And I love the main character. He's a badass. Uh, Prince Ashitaka. Right from the right from the get, dude. Like for the first fucking scene in this movie, you like the, the, the room it introduces Ashitaka to you and tells you that he is a fucking he badass. He fights a demon. It's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> right at the beginning, dude. He just shoots both its eyes out with a bow. Yeah. And it curses him, unfortunately. But uh Yep. Yeah. That sets him. Uh, that sets him off on our journey, which I don't know how much about the plot, plot we're going to talk about. Like, we're not going to go through it like step by step or anything. Just like you know. No, but if you, you want a basic synopsis, it's just you know, like we said before, Ashitaka gets cursed. Uh, it causes him to get exiled from his very remote village. Yeah. Um. Into the mainland, where there is uh, a major industrial town, basically just doing straight deforestation. Iron Town. Um, Iron Town. And the animals there are trying to defend their own land by attacking them and trying to fend them off. And at the same time, 
You've the got the god uh, animals, by the way. They're like not normal animals. Yeah. No, they they can like talk and shit. Yeah. And they're strong beasts in many surprising ways, yeah. as we see throughout this movie. <laughs> yep. Uh, so you got humans and you got beasts and they're fighting amongst themselves as well but they're also fighting a war like with like you know the beasts are fighting the humans but they're also fighting themselves the other beasts like they have in in fighting and arguments and the same is true with the humans there's a war breaking out between rival sides like iron town and the emperor's uh, fighters and stuff, right? Or or not the emperors, but like some other rival samurai clan of some sort. Um, and you got Ashitaka in the middle, who, you know, wants to help both sides, sees the good in both sides, but sees that they're on a collision course to like cause great disaster. Because, uh, you have the uh, the mistress of Iron Town who wants to kill a god, and that would probably be bad. And it is it yeah, is bad is... when it happens. <laughs> um, right. So your 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 characters here aren't always good intentioned, which I think is like interesting. Yeah. Where you do have two of the major characters in this film have, like, you know, their own good motivations, but at the same time, um, I guess it's just like a kind of like a perspective on humanity where they make their own terrible decisions, whether it is for, you know, in her case, I guess just to do it. I think she's she, her motivations make sense. Actually, she's just ruthless and trying to do it so that she can maybe have a future for her and her town that she has spent a lot of time and goodwill towards developing. Uh, it's populated by. Uh, people from all walks of life. Uh, she's like recruited women from brothels, like hired them away to work for her instead of working in a brothel and given them like a newfound sense of self-respect. So it is a very pro feminism movie uh, for sure. Mm, it, it, it's a, that's a weird topic though. Right? I guess so. Where, but the female characters are very strong in this movie. I guess I should say that. Yeah, they are. They're yeah. great. Um, and also she has like the lepers and stuff that are like dying and, and they wear bandages and shit. Their skin's literally rotting. Uh, and she cares for them and has them working for her and gives them a living. And like, I think she wants to kill the forest spirit so that she can maybe get a cure for her lepers or something. Because there's, like, a legend that it can grant immortality of some sort. The idea is that, like, the touch of the, the, touch of the forest god can, like, heal wounds. Yes. Well, what they soon find out is it also uh, can just instantly kill. Yeah. 
Like, you got that other guy who was sent by the Emperor to get the head because the Emperor, who we never see, uh, it, believes that uh, it can grant him immortality. He wants to rule forever. Typical Emperor leader man. Um, and all this time, Ashitaka is also trying not to die because he has been inflected with the uh, mark of the demon. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I think the way to cure that is through some kind of act of fate, changing his fate. Yes, yeah, so the idea was that he he his his intention going into the going into the mainland here was that he could try to get the forest spirit to heal him. Yeah, um, it doesn't work that way necessarily. Right. Well, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, it didn't work out. For for a little bit there, um, Ashitaka was actually fairly certain he was going to die, um, because during his journey here we had a large scene after the introduction of Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. um, where he saves her life and in return he gets shot through the chest. God, what a scene that is! That scene's incredible. Dude, he's invincible. I love it. He him bending that sword. And him taking out both the princess and uh, the the mistress of Iron Town, uh, Lady uh, God, what the fuck is her name? Lady Yaboshi takes yeah. out both of them, just knocks them out. Takes the princess with him, gets shot for it, but is fine. And then is able to like open that door with one hand, like like he embraces the demon in his arm to give him extra strength. We see a bit of that throughout the movie. That's how he's like able to like kill people with like arrows that take their arms off and 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 their heads and shit. That shit's super <laughs> gory and fucked, but like it shows that he's like you know in embracing the demon within him, he does terrible acts of violence. But like it's ultra based, <laughs> like it's it's really yeah. fun. True. True. I uh. I particularly enjoy during one of the fight scenes. There's like these samurai guys in the movie that are kind of like an antagonist um, who are battling the people of Iron Town. Yes. Um, at one point, it causes a point of distress because while the mistress is away, they go and attack Iron Town. Uh huh. Um, but there's one scene when he's fighting them uh, as he's trying to leave Iron Town to try to warn the mistress. Um, where they attack him, and one of them shoots an arrow at him, and his demon arm just catches the fucking that arrow. That is the fucking hardest and he knocks shit, it in the bow, dude. dude. Oh my god. He just catches the arrow that is sent at him, and then not knocks it himself and shoots it back. And what, what I love is that the action like that in that movie is so fast. Yeah, it's very fluid and well it's, animated. It's so fucking yeah, and it's gorgeous, not like, dude. And it's not like super hardly emphasized either, which I think is yeah. like super cool. It it kind of like just makes it like okay, this is how he fights now, mm-hmm. and just like doesn't like doesn't make a big spectacle out of it, right? Which I think is really cool. Like it's it's this really good tonally, I think. Um, one problem that a lot of like like well, like action films and stuff like that have is the is the glorification of like the moment the, those kind of moments in a fight or a set piece or something like that, and. I think that like a, a more of an approach towards subtlety, like kind of makes it feel natural. I 100% agree. 
and better. And then this movie handles that excellently. The action in this movie is very fast, and it, it just kind of happens. It doesn't linger we, we talk on about it. all the time. Yeah. Right, we talk about that all the time, like action movies. Like, we didn't talk about it too much. We don't talk about this movie that much again and job, but people talk about all the time movies like The Raid, for example, where, you know, it's not like... Much as I love it, it's not like Dragon Ball Z, where, like, you're spending all your time building up to, like, a single attack or something. Yeah, no, it's very fluid um, fight scenes that are fast-paced. Um, stuff like John Wick mm-hmm. is like that, too. I prefer that immensely to the Zack Snyder style of action, where it's, like, big, mm-hmm. like... Like, I realize why it's like that. It's, like, it's supposed to, like, make, like, like reading a comic book where, like, you turn and it's a big, giant, double-spread image of, like, Wonder Woman jumping with a sword. So, like, to show that in film, he has, like, a slow-motion scene of Wonder Woman jumping with a sword and going, like, Aah! and it's, like, really slow to, like, make the moment stretch out and seem more epic, dude. But, like, I vastly prefer it to just happen in the speed that it would happen in like yeah, <laughs> it, i think it gives it more of an impact honestly yeah, uh, the slow motion action is like a cliche at this point in, in no part no small part and thanks to Zack snyder uh by the way like at no point did no point of the over 20 years of been like uh, the almost 20 years since i've watched princess mononoke mm-hmm. Have I not just, like, fucking... When he catches that arrow, socks it, and, and shoots that dude's head off, that is burned into my brain. And it takes five seconds for it to happen. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I've seen this movie three times now. But every time I see it, I'm like... I, I make, like, a poggers face to myself and no one else. You know? <laughs> like, it's, it's so yeah. fucking great. <sighs> so, yeah, we love this movie. Let's talk about it a bit. Uh, it's the seventh mm-hmm. film from Hayao Miyazaki. was released in Japan in 1997, dubbed into English by Walt Disney and their subsidiary Miramax in 1999. The film's origins date back all the way to the late 1970s when Miyazaki drew sketches of a potential film he wanted to make that involved a princess living in the forest with a beast. Now, some elements of this ended up making their way into My Neighbor Totoro, and he kind of shelved it for a while. Now, after making Porco Rosso, which we talked about last week... Allie, you're okay. My dog is sneezing at me for some reason. (laughs) You're okay. (laughs) I might have to get her a bone or something for a second. You know, I'm going to do that. Probably wants to play. uh, She wants to play. I'm going to give her a bone. Give me one second. Entertain the kids for 30 seconds. Give that dog a bone. Give that dog a bone. We should all throw some appreciation again for giving his dog a bone. He loves, takes care of that dog. He's a good guy. You know what I mean? All right, so I, I just wanted to. We're gonna, we're just gonna open my. All right, here's what we're gonna do, fam. We're gonna open my phone. We're gonna read a couple tweets, okay? I was hoping I'd see more ridiculousness. Oh, this isn't working out too well. Well, this isn't working out anywhere near as well as I thought. Uh, okay, my dog is happy and satisfied now. Good, you saved my bit. Oh, what was your bit? I was going to open up Twitter and read a couple random tweets, but then they were like all pictures, and I got You sad. can't read pictures, Justin? That's stupid. I know. All right, so anyway. Shut up. <laughs> 
Oh man, you're probably gonna have a songs uh, sounds in the background of my dog feverishly eating a bone, as if she has killed a great beast. So sorry about that. Anyway, so after completing Porco Rosso, which we discussed last week, Miyazaki wanted to finally make the film he dreamed up way back in those early sketches. But he had a bit of a writer's block about the project. So in between the two films, uh, Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli uh, made a music video for a song called On Your Mark by uh, Chage and Asuka. I forgot to watch this. I meant to. Uh, I will do it. Maybe this could be a thing we talk about on our final Miyazaki episode as a Mm -hmm. bonus. I, I was planning on reading the Nausicaa manga as well for that. Um, it's, it's, it's a short, you know, it's nothing like major, but it could be something interesting to talk about. I will look into it. Uh, the break from longer film productions seemed to help Miyazaki refocus and come back ready to tackle Mononoke, which would end up being quite possibly, well, definitely his most mature and complicated film yet. Um... Yeah, so he went with his supervising animator, Masashi Ando. Uh, They went to Yakushima to essentially location scout the forests there. Uh, This was also a location that was a primary inspiration for the environments in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which does not surprise me. These movies are similar. Uh, Nausicaa is kind of like a dry run for the themes that he would later explore much better in Princess Mononoke. At least I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Miyazaki and Ando also visited the mountains of uh, Shirakami Sanchi for further inspiration for the various environments used for this film. Uh, and you could tell that they spent a lot of time studying landscapes because, God, the environments in, in not just this movie, but all... Ghibli films are so fucking gorgeous and so intimately crafted. Um, I love it. It makes it feel super significant and special. Uh, So one source of inspiration uh, was John Ford films, John Ford's Westerns. This served as an inspiration for the films Iron Town. Uh, Although taking place centuries earlier and an ocean away, from the setting of Ford's numerous westerns, uh, the town still does evoke similar vibes to a western frontier town. Uh, Miyazaki also sought to populate the town with, quote, characters from outcast groups and oppressed minorities who rarely, if ever, appear in Japanese films, end quote. Uh, It's cool of him to do that, because he's right. (laughs) Uh, with Mononoke, Miyazaki sought to present not a realistic view of medieval Japan, but rather, quote, to portray the very beginnings of the seemingly insoluble conflict between the natural world and modern industrial civilization. Uh, I think he does that expertly well here, and it not being a one-to-one direct realistic interpretation of medieval Japan is fine, considering he wants to tell the story 
through a more real lens of character. Like, instead of just showing how mankind has fucked the environment over the years, we're showing it via there's actual characters that can speak to us and say that you are fucking the forest, sir. (laughs) These big creatures and beasts. Uh, Which is an interesting way to go about it. So as we discussed, this is a much darker movie than anything he's ever done so far. One reason for Mm -hmm. this is uh, throughout the production of his previous lighter films, Miyazaki was producing the manga for Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which was a darker story than the films he was making during this same era. I believe Miyazaki purposefully sought to make lighter fare to counteract the more serious tone of the manga he was writing in Nausicaa. But that series concludes before production of this goes into effect. So it seems that Miyazaki was more willing to explore more serious themes in his films now. But another reason for that shift of tone is most likely a result of the production of Porco Rosso, which we talked about last week, where it took a shift from being a lighthearted kids film to a film that incorporated more mature themes as a result of the real-world conflicts breaking out in the real-world setting where Porco Rocco took place. Um, This affected Miyazaki. He said that experience made him feel like humanity would never change, and it made it impossible for him to simply go back to making more standard children's films like, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service and My Neighbor Totoro. As the man Mm -hmm. himself put it in this quote that I found uh, interesting, quote, It felt like children were being born to this world without being blessed. How could we pretend to them that we're happy? Uh, (laughs) It's kind of a downer, but I get what he means. (laughs) Um, It's it's why make a happy kids movie where everything is all right when that's not real. Um, Instead, with Mononoke, while it is high fantasy and a lot of crazy shit going on, he kind of tells a story that is repeated throughout time and history an infinite amount of times. And that's like, mankind will always try to take and destroy things that are not meant for them to take and destroy. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Yep. <laughs> it just makes things worse for everybody. But but he does so in a way where he doesn't like harshly judge the perpetrators of such destruction. Because, like, you know, the people at Irontown are interesting and fully well-developed, and I find it fascinating that there isn't a clear bad guy. The closest thing you have is, uh, I, I guess, Jigo. But even Jigo has elements to his character that are, like, positive and nice. And I find that super fascinating and realistic. It, everyone is, like, not black and white, but gray. Except for Ashitaka, who is clearly just good. <laughs> but he's the only one. Um
Production began in mid-1995, leaving two years before the film's scheduled premiere in theaters. Production was down to the wire. There were storyboards for the ending sequence being completed literally only two months before the movie came out in theaters. Uh, sick. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I love Miyazaki. I love Studio Ghibli. They probably ground their workers to the bone making making movies over the years. Yeah, uh, it's very possible is, for sure. Very much strikes me as a bit of a workaholic, and that can affect people who may not be like that that work under him as well. And that that's that's depressing. It happens in a lot of industries. We've talked about it a lot when it comes to video games with with crunch culture. Uh, but it's it's not something exclusive to video games. It's it's in film, it's in anime, it's in music, it's in everything, you know. And it uh, it's a shame. I'm not. I'm I'm okay with stuff taking a long time to come out. Like I I know that like there's scheduling and and big wigs and you know stuff like there's release dates and things that people need to hit, or else they are fucked. But I wish it wasn't like that. <laughs> is all I'm saying. I wish they weren't like forced to like hurry up and make their masterpiece already. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's rough. So I have a couple interesting things to talk about, but before we get to that, let's just talk about like our favorite bits. In general, in this movie, what do you got, Justin? Um, yeah, so I already talked about before, like you know, the actual sequences I think are excellent in this film. Yeah, um, very fluid, very well done. But I also am a big fan of like kind of the mythos of everything. The world um, is cool. I love it. Right. the The world is cool. Like the animal gods are really fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um. I think uh, I think Iron Town looks cool as fuck. Yeah. And uh, the the little the little forest spirits of the jail. Oh yeah, the fucking like. Uh, I love those little what do they guys. Call them? They remind me of Koroks from Zelda. I'm sure it's kind of based on the same yeah. like Japanese mythology yeah. Yeah, or legend is. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love them. They're cute. It totally They're is. Super cute, but also creepy. Like it's understandable why the one guy's freaking out and why Ashitaka is not. Like, both of those are understandable yeah. viewpoints, because they are fucking freaky. <laughs> so I understand that dude. That guy's like, super ah! But <laughs> I, I love that. I love that scene with that dude, because, like, he is, like, and he is freaking out, and understandably so. Yeah, and then Ashitaka yeah, is just, like, like, oh, cool. just like, He's like, what the fuck, yeah, dude? Yeah, what? <laughs> Spends his entire life getting told that he can't go into this forest, or he's going to die, and Ashitaka's like, yeah, we're going to go through this forest. What the fuck, dude? And dude's just stuck on an elk. And he's like, what the fuck? Oh, man. It's also one of the best characters in the movie. Oh, his fucking mount? His yeah, dude. I love mm. that thing. That thing is based. He's a good guy. You know? Yeah, it has so much character despite being just like... I'm so glad it didn't die because I thought it was going to die the first time I watched this movie because it gets shot with an arrow. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. It's just yeah. a little injured and he has to like uh, abandon it and... Ride a wolf for a bit, which is cool, though. Um, uh, Mononoke, or that's not even her name. It's presented like Princess Mononoke is a character in the movie, but... I mean, her name is San. 
I, I, yeah. I think Mononoke just means like uh, I think spiritual or ghost or something like that in Japanese. I forget. I, I looked it up and didn't write it down. But uh, folklore, maybe. Nice. And I, I think it's just like yeah. a figurative title, not like a literal character. Um, so because I, I almost called her Princess Mononoke. <laughs> but but that's not like her actual it's character Son. name is Son. Uh, she's a great character, and 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 it it's one of those uh, Ghibli characters that like gets introduced to you negatively and as a villain at first. But then the more you get to know them, the more like you understand that they're like not an asshole, and there's a right. lot going on that is good about them. Uh, apparently, still murder relationship with humanity is complex and stuff. Uh, but but she's fascinating because. In the midst of this story of humans versus beasts, she is a human on the beast side because she was abandoned by humans at a young age and left mm-hmm. for the wolves, and instead the wolves raised her as a wolf. And and the way she moves is like a wolf and not like a human, and it's like some crazy weird shit. <laughs> and she's kind of like someone who doesn't want to be stuck in the middle, but is just by the circumstances of her existence. You know, because she's like on the beast side, but is a human you know yeah it's 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 all really interesting and really complex which i think is like what's like what part of what makes it so good yeah is that there is there's a lot going on but it's not like it's super hard to follow yeah no it's all it's all understandable and easy to digest you know Mm mm-hmm it's it's uh yeah, morally the characters are complex though and I, I feel like that's very integral to why I love this movie so much I I like mm-hmm. when characters are complex and have a lot going on with them and they're not just one note uh, I think my favorite scene in the entire movie is that that scene in Iron Town where he like gets shot but he just takes it it's so fucking cool. <laughs> that that's that's got to be my favorite scene but i also i i also really like um the 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 scene like right before that where mona like i almost said it again son is attacking the town and just like her animation mm-hmm. of her running on the roofs and stuff like an animal is so fucking cool and I love her look with like the mask that we don't. It gets breaking. It gets broken after that scene. Breaking is not a word. You idiot. Breaking is not a bacon. word indeed. Good yeah. job, buddy. Bacon. She bacon. Her animation is really cool, and her look is really cool. That's it's a cool character. I love that she's introduced to us yeah. by uh, seeing her suck blood out of her wolf mom and spit it out like nothing. Because she's like an animal, you know? Like, it's, it wouldn't bother a wolf doing that. Uh, what I love about that is when she looks at him, she still has the blood in her mouth. She just gives him a scorn look and then spits the blood. Yeah, it's... It's so fucking cool looking. It is. So... It's immediately just like, ah, oh, this character's not badass. I think we should talk about this dub, which is incredible. Um, this dub is great. Uh, there's a lot to talk about before we get to that. So... It, it being successful is why there's a dub at all, so I'm going to go through this part now. Princess Mononoke was a tremendous critical and financial success. We got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and we got, against its budget of 2.1 billion yen, it grossing 20.18 billion yen, 
Now this was uh, this was not just enough to make it Japan's highest grossing film of 1997, but also its highest grossing film of all time, beating out of all things Steven Spielberg's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. This record Crazy. would be broken just a few short months later with the Japanese release of James Cameron's Titanic, which was also a huge domestic hit as well. Broke a bunch of records, became the highest grossing right. thing. Um, until, I think, the release of Episode 1. That's here in America, not in Japan. Uh, but in Japan, this financial box office record would be claimed by a Miyazaki film again in 2001 with the release of Spirited Away. So the king mm-hmm. returned <laughs> to claim the throne for himself from those fucking Americans. Got them. I'm sure that's Got nowhere em. near the highest grossing movie in Japan anymore. Because it's not stuff goes stuff goes nutty. Uh, Princess Mononoke is one of the first Miyazaki films to receive an English dub from Walt Disney Studios. The deal to dub Miyazaki's works was done the previous year in '96 and led to the first Disney produced dub, which was Kiki's Delivery Service in 1997, which we watched, and then Castle in the Sky following that in 1998, which we also watched. Both pretty good dubs. Kiki's better than Castle in the Sky. But Mononoke was planned for release in 1999, and unlike the other films, its tremendous success with critics led to it being planned for a theatrical release. My dog is wild, and I don't know what's going on. Your dad's coming home. A fun little aside. No, you're crazy. Um, Spirited Away is still the number two highest grossing Whoa. film in Japan. In fact, it was it was dethroned last year. Just last year? By what? By the Demon Slayer movie. Oh, okay. Well, that's fucking crazy. Um, that's mm-hmm. really crazy, so, yeah. man. Yes, yeah, so it did. It did. Uh, Spirited Away grossed gross thirty one point sixty eight billion yen. Um, the Demon Slayer movie did thirty eight point forty five billion. Wow. Nice looking that up, Chesby. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, that's I, I still was still that high, though, since 2001, yeah. my dude. Do you have any right. idea mm-hmm. how much was... the American top has changed since then? Oh, yeah, it's it's constantly shifting because of Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, there, there isn't even one in the top ten. In, in Japan? If, wow. if you, if, if, yeah, if, if you want your top ten real quick, I can I suppose. You. Number one, Steven uh, Slayer. Number two, Spirit is Away. Three is Titanic. Yeah. Four is Frozen. Okay. Twenty five point forty eight billion. Uh, number five is Your Name with twenty five point three billion. Hit, yeah. mm-hmm. Number six is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, yeah. With twenty point thirty. It's a billion. better title than Sorcerer's Seven Stone. Prin- I've always felt that way. Mm-hmm. Seven's Princess Mononoke twenty point eighteen billion. Eight uh, movie we'll watch later. Howl's Moving Castle at nineteen point six. That makes billion. sense. That comes after Nine. Away. Mm-hmm. Nine's Bayside Shakedown 2, which I don't even know what that is. It's 17.35 <laughs> we'll billion. That, yeah. And then 10 is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets at 17.35 Okay. Weird that the Harry Potter franchise didn't keep increasing in revenue. Did they lose interest, I wonder? Yeah, they lost interest pretty yeah, well, quick. Probably uh, good in the long run for them. Haha, <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Uh, we got a theatrical release planned, unlike the other ones. The Mononoke is a bigger deal because it just came out and it's the new hotness on the street. My dog is freaking out and I don't know why. What's Allie doing? I don't know. I'm going to get her. I'm going to pick her up. Grab her. Oh, did you pick just her up. Say Keep hello? going. Just pick her up. 
Oh, she's she's making pug noises into the mic. This is yeah. content. Yeah, hi. Aww. Hi. I think she's just excited because my dad's getting home from work soon, and he always takes her for a walk when she when he gets home. So she's like excited. And, oh, okay. And uh, it's almost walk let's time. Okay, it's almost time for walkies. Go ahead and finish this podcast out as quick as possible. There's a thing I want to talk about. We're going to talk about it. I'll just go through it. So Disney subsidiary okay, Miramax assigned the project. So it's time to visit our old friend. No, no. Old friend, huh? <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so, according to promotion manager Steve Alpert, Weinstein had promised to not cut any material from the film. Despite this, Alpert says Weinstein wanted to trim the film from 135 minutes to 90 minutes. So this led to an infamous, infamous thing that happened where one of Miyazaki's producers mails a katana to Weinstein with a message on it. No cuts. In English. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, legendary shit. Weinstein apparently flew into a rage over this incident, which he was apparently very well known to do. Uh, <laughs> and he said he would never work in this industry again. I assume he means the anime industry. I don't know. I I'm wish assuming, he meant the I'm film assuming. industry. Um, but oh, I don't know. I Good cry, Weinstein. He's in jail now. Yeah. Nah, fuck him. For not for this. For worse things. <laughs> he doesn't deserve to be in jail just because he wanted to cut a movie. Uh, although fuck him for trying to do that. So. Our savior in this tale of the Miyazaki uh, Princess Mononoke English dub is none other than writer Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, I love this man. He wrote Sandman, Sandman Kicks Ass, uh, and and a million other things he's written. Uh, Movies, comics, TV shows... uh, He's everywhere. I love Neil Gaiman's work. He's really good. Coraline, American mm-hmm. Gods, a lot of shit. So he was hired to write the American dub, a fact that goes unknown by many, including me. I did not know this until uh, looking up facts about this for this episode. Now, this is probably intentional on the part of Miramax, because when asked by Studio Ghibli, to remove some of the executives' names from the poster for the film's American theatrical release, Miramax decided to keep the executives' names but remove Gaiman's just because they felt that that was uh, viable to do to appease Ghibli but still keep Harvey Weinstein's name on the poster. Unfortunate. He didn't do anything. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Gaiman apparently had a very tough time while writing the dub because he had to have constant dumb conversations with studio execs about how he wanted to not make major changes to the source material. Um, Now, for example, they would literally ask him shit like, why are certain characters not explicitly explained to be good or evil? Or... How is the main character considered a prince when he comes from a tiny village and wears unfancy clothing? This stuff oh my drives God. me up the wall. Because, like, the best part I just said, like, my favorite thing about Mononoke is how deep and layered the characters are. So, literally, these people were like, Is Chico a bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because at the beginning oh of the movie, God. he acts like he's a good guy, but then later he's trying to get the God's head, and that's a bad thing, dude. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like shoot me in the skull, please. <laughs> I don't know. Neil Gaiman has better patience than me, and God bless him for it. He managed to write a dynamite adaptation and managed to keep everything Miyazaki wanted in there still in there and still intact while still adapting it in a way that made sense for American audiences, which is harder than it would seem to be to do. You got to give props to the localization teams because like not everything makes sense. If you do just a one-to-one translation, like never, like that never right. works like that. It never works like that. Never does. You, you take a look at like, for example, the Yakuza. Games. Yeah. That, that's a big um, one that you got to do. Like a, a lot of hard work and talent yeah. to make it like translate well to American audiences. I'll go through our English voice cast real quick. Billy Crudup as Ashitaka. Billy Crudup is, uh, you know, I liked him as a bad movie, bad adaptation. I liked him as Dr. Manhattan in Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I also like him in Big Fish from mm-hmm. Tim Burton. We got Billy Bob Thornton yeah. as Gigo. You know him. He's bad Santa. Oh, he does yeah. a good job in this movie. Minnie Driver is Lady Eboshi. She's from uh, Good Will Hunting uh, and, a, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the Joel Schumacher Family Opera, if you're uh, wanting to list embarrassing film credits. Uh, John DiMaggio is here as Lady Eboshi's uh, bodyguard, Gonza. You know him. He's Bender and Jake the Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire Danes is Son. Uh, her breakout role was in Little Women. We here on Gen and Jub saw her in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> Ooh. John Demita is uh, Kuroku, who is uh, our, our guy who is really freaked out by the forest spirits and uh, a, a very nervous, cowardly man of a husband. Uh, <laughs> he is not in anything that is uh, good to put on a resume, so I will instead say that he is from Leprechaun 3 and Resident Evil Vendetta. Oh, great. <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith is Toki, uh, the sassy uh, wife to Karuku, who is like a, one of the like key people we meet in Iron Town that we get like the most uh, time time and mega based character. Great. Yeah, I, I love that. There's just like a bunch of former prostitutes that have like found freedom and a life in Iron Town. It's it's fun. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, of course, we saw her in Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, and uh, I learned from looking her up that she was in a new metal band in the late 90s. Uh, she was the singer oh. in a new metal band. It sounds a bit like Flyleaf if you listen to it, but it's it's some weird shit, man. I didn't know it was real. Uh, <laughs> look that up if you get a chance. It's wild. Uh, Gillian Anderson. From X-Files and Hannibal as Moro, the big old wolf. And then, of course, we got Keith David, the man, the myth, the legend, as Okoto, the big old uh, uh, wildebeest or, like, warthog. Boar. Yeah. He's the man. Wild boars out to kill us all. He made a spawn series, but you guys probably know him more as the fucking Arbiter himself. Yeah. His voice is very distinctive. You recognize Keith David when you hear him. Um, mm-hmm. That's our oh, cast. Yeah. They're fucking excellent. Everything in that... like They do such a good job. This is probably my favorite Miyazaki dub so far. And they did an excellent job. Excellently well cast. You could tell that they cared about the material they were doing. And 
I adore them for it. Hell so that's yeah. about it. I would say. Yeah. Now my dog is just barking at her <laughs> bone. I you are interrupting my podcast <laughs> today, bitch. What the fuck? <laughs> what is your issue? Well, she's just having a time. I think know? that's about it for today, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> dog, oh, man. we are here for the dog content. Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe she can't wait for dad. I'm gonna go ahead and take my dog outside. Yeah, I said the word. Her nice. eyes, if if you can believe it, got bigger than they already are. And a pug's eyes are already pretty big. <laughs> All right, Josby. Amazing. Will you have that. fun with that? This is the end of the episode anyway. Next week we're doing Spirited Away. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, Do me a favor. To close out the episode, can you uh, can you pick up her dog so she can make a noise into the mic? Uh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> and that's where we'll end it. Hi, Alice. Okay. That'll do it. All right. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes, I know. Okay, we're going to go. Oh, you're hype. You're so hype. You just went out before we fucking recorded, but I guess that was a while ago.